I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader? And you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Vicky is the Chief Strategy Officer for Intelum and in her own words, has been nerdy about education for many years. She started in higher education, but later pivoted to working in companies like Facebook and Amazon. She began to see how education can dramatically improve a company's performance, from internal productivity to customer retention. In 2021, she developed a proprietary tool to unite all educational initiatives in one central map, that demonstrates the education's expected business impact. Vicky shares how it was rattling for her to be laid off from a job where she had worked for 10 years. What surprised me was that, on top of that, she decided to switch her industry and city when that happened. She packed her bags and moved from Florida to New York City to find work in a totally new industry. In this episode, she shares what gave her the courage to make such a massive shift. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to the show and good to have you here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. Can you start by sharing who you are and what do you do for our listeners? Sure. So I'm Vicky Kennedy. I'm currently Chief Strategy Officer for a company called Intellum. We're an education tech company specializing in customer education, partner education for large organizations. My, my specialty is really in education strategy. And I have a kind of a history of honing in on that specialty over the years. Okay. As, as you talk about your specialty, can you also share how you got to where you are today? Is there any particular events, either positive or negative, which stand out? and which have shaped who you are as a leader and as a person today? Sure. I, I started out in higher education and became an assistant director of some programs there. So I, that, that was where I got my early taste in things like curriculum development and um, program management and strategy. It was in a very specific kind of environment though. And a pretty important thing that happened in 2012 was I was um, affected by layoffs. So there were quite a lot of layoffs in this one, basically the organization I worked in. There were different rounds of layoffs. And so I had, like I had sense it was coming, but it still was quite, quite uh, shocking and a bit rattling for me because I had worked there for 10 years. But concurrent to that, I really had my eyes set on New York City because I was in South Florida at the time. And I really had wanted to work in New York City. So I, I took this opportunity to basically reset my whole professional life. And I moved up to New York City 
with nothing other than what fit in my car and three pets and basically took four months to find my footing and find a job in a very different industry. I cast a wide net and was very open to different types of work, but I did end up finding something that was a little bit of actually probably a significant pay cut, but I knew that it was an opportunity to, to reset in something outside of um, higher education. From that point, I found I was working in tech and I found that I kept leaning toward the leadership roles and kept leaning towards strategy and education. And it wasn't a purposeful career path uh, as in, okay, I'm going to do this and then this, and this is my title and I'm going to make this my title. I did a lot of zigzags and, and I had manage, people management roles and then back to IC and then back to people management. I had different industries I worked for. I worked for Facebook for a little while. I worked for Amazon for a while. And then now I'm back in a, a smaller company, SaaS company. But what I found is just with each each step along the way and each challenge, I really lead more and more into the areas that I'm passionate about and carve my career over over this basically two decades, but especially in the last 10 years, really taking one step further into what I love doing, which is that that strategic influence. A lot of twists and turns and ups and downs, but, but essentially I have stepped into the roles I've wanted one at a time and just pay that way. Thank you for sharing that. And I can imagine that must be a big shift, what you described, like getting laid off and then also moving uh, cities and also shifting the industries that you're working in. So I just want to like zoom into that and uh, and ask you that, how did you have the courage or what helped you during that transition? Because to, to our listeners, that might look like a big leap and that might scare a lot of people off. Yes, I did. I think it's two, there's two answers to that. One of them is it's always important to have some support. And, and sometimes that's friends, could be professional support, mentorship. I've had mentors over the years, some in a more formal role, some just that I consider mentors that had walked the walk before me. I had people to lean on and, and ask for direction or not direction, but ask for just guidance suggestions on how to navigate different things. And so during that, I, I definitely had people that, that kind of showed up when I needed them and, and leaned on in those ways. But the second part of that answer is, I also really did learn that I had to be my own advocate and take those risks. It's something I do share about whenever I, I speak on these topics is there's nobody that's going to come swoop down and like put you on the right career path or get you the right job or make all those changes that might happen every now and then for somebody who's just really lucky. But for the most part, we really have to, to take that charge and, and ask for what we want. And if we want a different role, if we want a promotion, or if we want to switch a different industry, like it, it does take that risk and that self-confidence in speaking up. So I think it, it's definitely important to have, to have mentors and to have support, but at the same time, really important to, to take ownership over that direction. Yeah, I, I think those are two very important points because I see a lot of leaders trying to do it alone or trying or not being able to share their challenges. And I think what comes with uh, seeking support from a mentor or from a coach is being open to that, uh, especially as you make a big transitions in, in your life. Yeah. And also the second part, having that strength and first of all, being aware that this is the direction that I want to go. And then once you, are, you have identified that, having that confidence and strength to move forward despite of fear. Yes. So coming to your current job, 
What is it that you like the most about, about your current profile? Yeah, I have a very interesting role. I, it, we are um, a smaller company and in, with a bit of a still a startup scrappy environment. And when smaller companies, there's the, definitely the opportunity to wear multiple hats and to dive into different areas of the, of the business. The larger the company, the more sort of specific your remit is and your scope is. And I, there's pros and cons to both, and I really I have done both, and I love both. But what I do love about a smaller company is, is just that opportunity to have more exposure to all areas of the business. And so currently, I, I do wear two kind of key hats. There's my title of Chief Strategy Officer, and in that role, I am part of the executive team, and I work on our strategic alignment and our strategic visioning, communicating out our strategic plans and goals and working with each area of the company to, to define what we're doing strategically and to make sure we have that alignment. And I do love that. That is just a passion I have. It's very much related to education in a way. And, and that's how I got there. It's like with education, you're looking at all the different pieces that have to come together to achieve your goal. I, it, I guess it's similar in, in other areas of business, but that was for me, the connection. Um, the other hat that I wear is what I was originally hired for, which is VP of education strategy. And so I oversee our education and enablement teams and, and work with them on building out our internal and external education. And so that's the other area. And I work with our clients on helping them understand their education strategy. And we actually just build a strategic framework tool to, to, to bring all education initiatives together into one framework. And we call it the Intel framework. As you shared earlier, you have worked in big companies like Facebook and Amazon, and now you are part of a smaller setup. So from the, from the context of leadership and dealing with people, what is it that you find most challenging? And how do you think leadership differs so when people move from a big settled company to, to a new or a young and growing company? Yeah. So that's, I guess that's two, two questions and how to deal with leaders and communicate with leaders and then how that is different in the different environments. There's a book I quote, and I swear I have no affiliation with this book. It's called Influence Without Authority. And I, it was part of a class that I took uh, a couple of years ago. And, and I learned a lot in that book because when you're working with leadership, no matter what level you are, like I've been all different levels at companies. I'm an executive in this company and I was more uh, mid-level in the larger companies. And no matter what level you are and you're working with anyone at any level, it's important to really understand what motivates that person and what drives what they're trying to achieve and finding that common ground so that you can get what you're trying to get. There's the concept of managing down of people that report to you, you can technically tell them what to do, but that's not leadership. And so conversely, if you're working with people who are your peers or what they say, managing up, it's really about identifying common grounds and understanding what motivates and what motivates someone else and, and what they value and finding that way to achieve what you're trying to achieve together. Because ultimately, Everyone at the end of the day wants the company to succeed because it's directly related to their own success. And, and then there's just different ways that people feel valued, either intrinsic motivation or more of a external recognition. And so it, it's, a, it's really essential to understand that. And the second part of that question about the difference, I cannot say that I work directly with the leadership at Facebook or Amazon, but so I can't quite compare it to that, but I can say that just the different levels of leadership that I've worked with in those larger companies and then working directly with leadership in the smaller company, there, there certainly is a different, it's a very different environment. In a smaller company, there's much more of the ownership aspect because it's, 
you have a lot more visibility into all areas and everything that's happening there. In a larger company, you are more uh, more connected to specifically your department, your teams, and how that is influencing the bigger picture. So there's definitely differences in the environment there, but I go back to my first answer and that when you're working with people, regardless of company size, regardless of levels, it's really finding that mutual influence. Yeah. And I like that common thread and also how you defined leadership uh, as separate from telling people what to do and really independent of the role that, that you have or the title that you have. You, you, you also talked about influence uh, without authority and how we can align uh, like the motivations and what people really w are driven by. Is there any other uh, suggestions or advice you would like to give to, to, to leaders who want to get better at influencing their, not, not just their peers, but sometimes also their own leaders without having the authority? The one thing that comes to mind for me is really a study in empathy. I did, I've done a few leadership courses myself in the last couple of years. Also recently completed my MBA last year. And so I, I have some like fresh academic content in my mind. And then just other things that I read. I read quite a lot from Harvard Business Review and, and just follow different business trends. And there's something that's become more and more of a topic with leadership, which is empathy. And, and really a study in empathy and thinking about kind of going back to the same thing of what people are motivated by, what, what, what's going on in their world, because that's how you relate to people. And so it's not just about, I need to get this thing done and can do it, um, or so-and-so can approve it or whatever it is, can check this box and I can move forward. There's that aspect, but then it's really, that sort of reduces everyone to their function instead of them as a person. And so really thinking more about the people that we're working with and the different things that people are going through. And especially in this climate with the pandemic, we see a lot of, we see the great resignation and we see just a lot of different things coming up that wasn't necessarily discussed in the business world before. And so that's the, the key thing that comes to mind for me when you ask that question is, is learning more like studies and empathy, studies in, in, in like just understanding people, because that is the key to really working better together as individuals and as, as companies. What I like most about what you just shared is to see people for who they are rather than just the roles that they do uh, and then to form that connection on a personal level. I think that is something which people miss when they talk about empathy. It's not just about where a particular person in a particular role is coming from but also what drives them individually, what they like, what they do not like. Yeah, for sure. It's something, I'm going to quote my wife, Marissa Viola, for a second, because she's taught me so much about this topic, but it's something she always says is it's easy for us to default into seeing people we interact with as functions. If you go and you get a cup of coffee and you're just like, one coffee, put the money in the counter and you leave, instead of, this is a person that's working there and, hi, how are you doing? And good morning. And it, it's like, we don't want to be just looking at different functions. Like, we, we want to be thinking about who we're connecting with on a you know, person to person level. Yeah. And as you have grown your team and as you work with multiple people, how do you build that culture of empathy? And especially when a lot of people are working either virtually or people, half of the people are working in the office and then half of the people are working from home. How do you build empathy given the reality that we live in today? Yeah, I think definitely the remote environment is certainly something we've all had a bit of a learning curve on. And even companies that have been remote, it's just the different kind of climate of this sort of remote is interesting because everybody's remote in a different way. And 
And so being more purposeful to bring the team together and have different types of interactions and keeping, keeping going back to that human component so that it's not just, we're done just meeting and we're going right into the meeting, but we're having a little bit of conversation. And I also, the one-on-ones that I have with the team and then I encourage my directs to have with their reports is having a one-on-one that's more about career growth, career opportunities, challenges, motivation. It's more about the person and not status updates. We can do a lot asynchronously with things that are just promise reports and status updates and, and business. It, it, but the sort of face-to-face time is really important to have that connection. And so with the team, we, we have multiple types of meetings. We, have, we always keep a little bit of the kind of personal component in there. And then we also have uh, ways of sharing. There's different, the team shares different cultural things in our social group. If there's, I'm trying to think, today is uh, Veterans Day in, in the U.S. And, and we have people that are either veterans or spouses of veterans sharing some information there. So things like that that come up that we just share the more personal side to keep that as part of what we're doing. So going back to just, you know, it's not just a function, it's not just a business, but we're all humans that have different backgrounds and sharing that together. Yeah. One of my biggest learning uh, while working in, in a remote world has been to be more deliberate with bringing the personal side to the forefront. And also what you shared about different modes of communication for different kinds of uh, uh, conversations, I think, uh, like to not to take up status updates, be a part of one-on-one meetings and to have that really be about the person, their growth, their, any concerns they might have and so on. Right. Yeah. So considering the future, right? What is it that you're passionate about? Or another way to ask this question would be to what dreams keep you up at, up at night? I have a passion in building things and launching them and then growing them. And I know that sounds very generic. I'm not an engineer who can go and just code a thing and then it build and launch, but I've just developed this passion of seeing a need for a new program or a new process. I think program is really what I lean more into. And so new programs that need to launch to solve a problem. And so when I go back to the framework tool that I just built, I'm always seeing there's a problem here. What can we do? What can we build? What can we launch? What can we develop to solve that problem? And so I guess I'm a bit of an innovator in that sense. And, and those are the things that keep me up is what's the next thing to build and launch and grow and, and share. So I have all those ideas floating around and, and I just look to, I, I just my going back to my passion of education, there's so much opportunity to share with organizations, how education can really impact their goals. And that's what drives me is how can I get that word out at a bigger level of like how to really think about education and not just consider it as like a need to do, or I need to educate my employees, I need to educate my customers, but really thinking about how that is such an essential area of the business to develop. I guess that sounds like a, a big vision and I think which goes beyond your current role and, and you're seeing education as a whole rather than just being limited by the current role you have. And so as you have this big vision and as you move forward towards uh, creating parts of it a reality and bringing uh, your vision to fruition, how do you manage pressure and overwhelm? Because one story which I also hear from a lot of leaders that leadership can be tremendously stressful and lonely at times. So how do you manage your pressure and stress? 
Definitely. Yeah. Lonely at the top kind of thing is mm. not a, not an accurate statement, but I do have various friends and contacts and still have mentors. It's not like mentorship goes away when you hit a certain level. And I was actually having a call last night with someone I used to work with and just going through sharing together different stresses that we've had. And so that's just always helpful to have somebody that is either in the same boat in the business world or has been there before and just make bounce ideas off of and get different perspective. Because if we don't have anyone else to bounce a different, or to bounce ideas off of and hear a different perspective, then we just become this, we're just doing this self, what's the word? Yeah, I think you know what I'm trying to say. We're, we just end up validating our own thoughts and having that checked from the outside. But so that's really important. The other answer to my question with stress, though, is something that I actually learned during my time at Amazon. And I talk about it a lot in different interviews and things I've written. And, and again, I have no affiliation. I don't get, I don't get <laughs> any, any conviction in talking about Amazon stuff. But there's something that, that they teach a lot there, which is the concept of the two-way door decision, which means that there's one-way door decisions and two-way door decisions. And one-way door decisions are things that once you make that decision, you really can't, you can't back up. You can't try it. You can't like come back in the other way and, and do it again. And so really, if you look at as many two-way door decisions as you can make in, in business and in life in general, but especially in business, and you try something out and you look at, this is a two-way door decision. We can try this out. We can go down this direction. If it doesn't work, we can always come back. We can iterate on it and prove it. And that really takes pressure off that we tend to put on ourselves to get everything right the right the first time. And no one gets everything right the first time. When we're running a company, when we're running a team, when we're running a project, no matter what level you are, um, you're never going to get everything right the first time. And, and so a lot of the stress that we feel we put on ourselves to try to get it all right. And really, if you just think about trying things, taking risks, learning from things that don't work, iterating, moving forward, it's, it, it really helps drive like not only more results and more confidence, but does reduce stress. And so that's part of my answer with that question is definitely important to have people in your, on your team to, to work through stress, but also just having tools like that and sort of mental tools to think through it to reduce stress. Exactly. Two very important points. And I have, I have heard of this model of decision-making. I think I read it in one of the shareholder letters, which uh, Jeff Bezos writes yeah. to the shareholders. And I think, and, and I do go through them because I found them very practical and very simple pieces of uh, something which has worked for a company like Amazon. Thinking about decisions from that lens takes the pressure away. And uh, otherwise you might get lost in like doing pros and cons and thinking about what ifs of every decision we make. So one last question before, before we end, is there anybody who have had the most influence on your leadership? It always makes me so sad and I can't just list every person <laughs> that, that, that I've learned from. There's one that I will say, I, I've mentioned it before and he's going he's gonna to get him a big head from this, but my, one of my former managers uh, that I worked with at Amazon, actually going back to Amazon, there's just so much there that I learned about leadership. And, and I learned something from him that really has impacted the way that I operate since, which is the concept of, I'll, I'll synthesize it. It's just the, the concept of, even if you're right, you're like really being open to having that challenged by others. And I guess you can think of it reducing arrogance and things like that. But mm -hmm. I had hit a point in my career with the education stuff where I do know a lot. I know a lot about this and I, I, some, some may call me an expert in it, but 
but you never know absolutely everything and you never know more than every other person. And it's really important as a leader, even if you are an expert in your field and everyone else in the room is not an expert in the field, it doesn't mean that you can't learn something from someone else. It doesn't mean that you can't hear a different perspective and be challenged. And so that was one really pivotal point that that shifted how I think of leadership is that it, it's not about being right. It's about even if you are right, you are open to um, and open to allowing that to be challenged and basically like pivoting if you hear something that's different. I've also learned from a couple of my managers, my bosses in previous companies about what really like good leaders are advocates for their team. And it's not about telling people what to do on the team. It's about making sure they have all of the freedom and support to do what we've hired them to do. And I've seen that firsthand with the same manager I'm talking about and also someone I worked closely with at Facebook. I, I really, honestly, I, I feel like I could just list every person <laughs> I've worked with and, and see, tell you like what nugget I got from different people. And I think it's just, it's important to, to learn from whoever is around you. I'm, I'm just mentioning a couple of managers I've had, but of course I've learned from my own direct reports. I've learned from peers. It's about pulling the, the nuggets and sharing that and being open to those different pieces of advice, no matter where they come from. Thank you. I think that those are wonderful pieces of uh, wisdom. I think it, it also shows how open you are to learning from all directions. And uh, what, you, what you shared that you might know or not, but that doesn't mean that you get close to future learning uh, and how relevant that is to leadership. So that, that's a wonderful place to, to end our conversation here. Is there any way people who want to reach out to you can reach out to you or is there any, any lasting thoughts that you want to leave for the audience? Oh, gosh. The lasting thought I, I, I have for anyone is, is to take risks. If you look at my resume, you'll see that zigzagging I was talking about. I don't mean zigzagging like changing a job every six months, like changing, changing industries, changing up like different focuses. And it's just because I wanted to, I didn't want to be stuck in one story. And I think that it's it, sometimes if we can feel stuck in a story, we can feel stuck in a path and there's just, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And, and so I think if someone that's listening has a desire to, to shake it up, try something new, not to worry about that, not to worry about like perception or what am I supposed to do or what is the next logical step, but to consider taking risks, calculated risks and, and to be your own advocate with that. As far as finding me, I am always happy to give any guidance, suggestions, answers. If I have them, I, I don't. I definitely don't always have all the answers, but I'm happy to chat. I'm on LinkedIn, Vicky Kennedy, and it's it, that's actually my LinkedIn is in slash Vicky Kennedy with a Y. So happy to connect. And yeah, this was this is such a pleasure. So great chatting. Thank you. Thank you for your time, and I wish you best for the future. Thanks so much. You too. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. 
I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.